Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling from Indianapolis. Thank you, Ben. Yes. From a hotel room where uh, the NFL used to interview prospects in hotel rooms. Now they're put up in suites at Lucas Oil Stadium. The prospects are getting treated much nicer. And Kevin O'Connell said, I like to size them up eye to eye and see how much taller I am. Than yeah. Them. Um, See if the height is real because yeah. <laughs> he's six five. So he's like, well, I can actually measure him up. It, it's an interesting, it's possible, possible competitive advantage. Yeah. Is the NFL going to start hiring tall coaches after seeing the Vikings hire a tall coach and a, a tall GM and a tall assistant GM and Ryan Grigson? Like My column. Quasi's six five. Grigson's like six eight. Six, Grigson's eight. a big dude. <laughs> so the Vikings are lording over prospects at at uh, in Indianapolis this week. Intimidation. Uh, we've heard from Kwesi Adolfo Mensa. We've heard from Kevin O'Connell. So we're going to break that down uh, and talk about what we heard, what stands out from the week, and take your questions that we got on Twitter as well. Um, but, Ben, I suppose we should start off with – well, where should we start off with? Because there's a few directions we can take this. Well, I suppose the big news of the day was the NFLPA survey. Sure, yeah. That yep. said the Vikings – your Minnesota Vikings are NFL champions. Number one. Number in, one, in March, not on the field, <laughs> but in the way that they treat people. So, which is a good thing. I mean, that I think that's a fairly significant reflection on a lot of the things that Kevin O'Connell wanted to do in year one. Uh, we can get into that maybe a little bit later. I, I suppose news-wise today, well, O'Connell talking about how he's kind of assessing his own leadership of yes. this team and the undercurrent of that has consistently been the defense, right? And he said today in our side session with him, just four of us reporters sat down with him after his podium session. And I think you were the one who asked him or somebody had asked him about going back and looking over um, his first year. And he's been pretty candid about how he wants his message. He said, when I stand up in front of the team, I want that message to carry across on the Sundays on yeah. the field and in ways that it didn't last year with Ed Donatel, because we heard him stand up and talk to us at the podium about how um, we need to be more aggressive. You know, we need to take the air out of the coverage, all these things. And then we get to the playoff game, and Ed, Don Ed Donatel blitzed, like, what, six times yeah. in that game? Yeah. Um, they just totally regressed from the changes they had made before. And um, I think with Brian Flores, Kevin O'Connell is trying to find a like mind and one that wants to play that style that he wants. And he also wants to hold himself accountable. Kevin yeah. O'Connell does, which to me was candid from a first year head coach who went 13 and four. Yeah. I mean, a, a guy that was received coach of the year votes though, you know, probably not as many as some thought he should have gotten a uh, pretty competitive field this year for that honor, uh, which ultimately went to Brian Dable, the coach that knocked Kevin O'Connell out of the playoffs in the first round though those awards are voted on at the end of the regular season, we should note. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of things went right for O'Connell in year one. He said, because I followed up with him on some of these things, today I kind of asked him, when did the honeymoon phase, if there was one for you, end? And he said, well, I didn't really feel that way, that there was ever a honeymoon, because he thought I could win in year one. He, he basically said, as I looked at our roster and the plan we had, if we did all the right things early on, if we were disciplined, he said, pretty matter-of-factly, I thought we could win the division, which was interesting given the fact that saying that, you're trying, you're saying you can take down a team that has won 13 games each of the last three years, has been the top seed in the NFC, I think, the last two years and had the back-to-back -back NFL MVP, that of course being the Green Bay Packers. That, But then they beat them week one, and then it's off to the races from there, and we know how it ended. But he talked a lot about 
because I asked him too, being an offensive coach, how did you feel like you did communicating your vision for what you wanted on the other two phases of the team, defense and special teams, knowing that we've seen that be an issue, most notably for Mike Zimmer. I think it was probably an issue for Leslie Frazier at times too, but you know, you had these guys that have been coordinators for a long time and have their area of expertise, but then how do I articulate what I want in these other phases because it's ultimately my job. And he talked a lot about, you know, I would do this during the week. I would have these meetings where we have these themes of, he said pretty specific, you would have a theme and then pretty specific, pretty tangible about what you need to do to win. But then he said, did I do everything I could do to carry that through on a Sunday, which you can probably take that to mean, was I telling Ed Donatel enough, hey, this is how I want us to play defense, do it, and this is how it's going to be. I, you know, That might have been part of that. I, I think that's probably a fair assumption. And he talked about you know, making this move, meaning Flores, um, as part of all these things. But I, I think learning to say, this is how we are going to play because the buck stops with me and I need to be fairly clear with my coaches and my players about how this is going to look on game day, not just during the week. It was kind of where he was going with that. Yeah, 36-year-old at the time, rookie head coach or seven? Uh, 37. Um, with a coach, and Ed Donatel was 25 years his senior yeah. pretty much. And it's a tough arrangement there. And it just was a bad hire. Uh, just was didn't didn't fit. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see Ed Donatel getting a ton of uh, other defensive coordinator interviews after that. Um, but for O'Connell to do that for a team that is still very much under construction, um, his leadership obviously under construction as well. Um, we asked about Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen. Uh, there were some interesting comments I thought from Quase Adolfo Mensa dancing around the Dalvin Cook yeah. contract situation. Yep. Um, he, I feel like Kevin O'Connell pretty much did the same thing today with Adam Thielen. Um, so it, to me, it, there's a lot of obvious situations they have to address. They're talking about them in so many words and stopping just short of saying what exactly they're going to do. But what's I clear think they've is they've made their decisions already. What's, I was just going to say, though, what's clear is there's still some ongoing conversations. I think when O'Connell mentions um, Thielen's role in trying to find a happy middle ground, I don't, he didn't use the words middle ground, but try to find some kind of uh, solution there for both parties. Um, and then also mentioning, I think he took an extra step to kind of say, you know, th this stuff is ongoing. Um, and what did he say? He's like, we don't make stuff up here. This is yeah. always ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's going to be some of these guys where the discussion is, hey, we think you're worth X. Would you take that? And if not, then you're going to make a decision to cut them. In some of these cases, I think that, you know. But I, I think they've already done their work of here's who we want at this price. I I don't think they're going to go back between now and free agency, which starts two weeks from today. Believe it or not, I don't think that work of well, what do we want to do is going to happen in the next two weeks. I think it's already done. I mean, Quasi kind of talked about that. A little bit yesterday that was kind of one of my takeaways oh you guys already know um i think with a lot of clarity what you want to do and, and you have to as you come into the draft process and meeting with agents this week you have to do all of that stuff but um given the fact they didn't hire a defensive coordinator until february 15th i think that was pretty quickly on the list of hey brian flores who do you want on this defense i i i mean o'connell said something today talking about the move of hiring flores and then the personnel moves in some of these changes that are going to be reflected in this. And it, it almost, and I was writing the story, I asked you, what personnel moves is he talking about? Because it almost sounded like he was referring to them in the past tense. 
which, though they haven't happened, even yet. though they haven't happened, which yeah. may be a tell that in his mind, yeah, we know what's going to happen. Sure. We just haven't done the business part of it yet, and which obviously then means it's not public. Yeah, and it's guys like who Eric Kendricks, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson's a free agent, though they are much more bullish on bringing him back. It sounds yeah. like yeah, yeah. Quasi was fairly uh, candid about that yesterday. Basically, Dalvin, if you're listening. <laughs> We want you back, and I'll help hook you up with sneakers like you always ask <laughs> me to fair. do. Yep. So, um, yeah, they were pretty candid on that front. Uh, and then who else is on that defense? If Patrick Peterson's Jordan a free Hicks. agent. Harrison Smith, what do they do with him? Yeah. Duke Shelley, uh, that's yep. lower level. Shannon Sullivan, those guys are free agents. Yep. Um, but Jordan Hicks they could move on from too. Eric Hendricks they can move on from. Darius Smith. Quick, uh, Zedarius is yeah that that one they could free up like twelve million right they could and uh, that's going to be very interesting to watch given the fact that as I understand it he sold his house this week so um, yeah it'd be interesting to see where that goes and then, this is a team that's what you've written twenty three million over the salary cap heading yep. into this I think it's could, probably a shade more than that maybe closer to twenty four. So they could free up about half that in one move if it's Zadarius Smith. Um, guys like C.J. Ham, you got to wonder about too. Yeah. Um, Adam Thielen, uh, mentioning him him earlier, Kevin O'Connell said he's happy with his wide receiver group. He mentioned multiple times before getting to the crux of it that they had four guys catch 60 passes um, and how much they spread the ball around behind Justin Jefferson. But Adam Thielen said on ESPN uh, last month that – Yeah, on first take, I believe. He wants to be somewhere that he can help and show a team that he can uh, basically provide value. Even though it's odd he had 100 targets last year. Every time we talk about his comments, I, br- I have to bring that up. But – um, Kevin O'Connell basically said that, hey, we want to make sure everybody's happy when it comes to Adam Thielen. Yeah, yeah, and he pointed out, I mean, the, the fact that they had all those guys that had 60 catches, I think they're one of nine teams in NFL history to have four with at least 60, and I think Thielen was right on 60. I think Hawkinson was too, though that is just Hawkinson's catches since the trade. So Hawkinson kind of became their number two in a lot of ways, and then K.J. Osborne being the fourth. But, yeah, I mean, he kind of alluded to that, at least giving some acknowledgement to Thielen's unhappiness, which I, you know, his Thielen has talked about it. Um, from what I've heard, I, it's legitimate in the sense that he did not have many plays this year that he was designed as a number one option. To which you say, well, you know, when the NFL Offensive Player of the Year is at X receiver he's going to have most of the targets. He's going to be the guy on most of these plays that it's designed to go to. So, um, you know, there, there's that piece of things, I think, that's in the works as well. But, uh, yeah, interesting to hear O'Connell acknowledge that, at least to some degree, and uh, give some validity to it, although I think we kind of already knew that. But interesting to hear him kind of acknowledge it. And really, even if they still had Adam, let's say they find out another way to rework that deal like they did last year, yeah. which – I'm looking back on that. It was an interesting choice. Um, but even if they find a way to keep Adam in the fold and, and Adam wants to stay here and all that, because Adam has also said um, in other interviews um, during Super Bowl week, I think that he wants to be a Viking for life and all this stuff. And obviously he's spent his whole career here, but the Vikings receiving core can get better <laughs> as much as you kind of, as much as I hes- hesitate to say it around Justin Jefferson, but they just didn't have that speed. It seemed like outside of him. And TJ Hawkinson, as you mentioned, became that number two for them. Um, and to the detriment of when it's fourth and three and you're not throwing it up to Justin Jefferson or not fourth and three, what was it, fourth and seven? Fourth and eight. Fourth and eight, thank you. 
um, they throw the three-yard check down or whatever to TJ Hawkinson, they could use another deep threat. And this draft class might provide some. The free agent class might provide some. The wide receiver class could look – or the wide receiver group could look pretty different in 2023. Um, with Dalvin Cook, when you talk about moves that might be predetermined already, what do you think of that when it comes to Dalvin Cook? That one is going to be interesting because I have tended to think that – $14 million for a running back that had a career low in carries per game this year is going to be a hard sell in this offense. And O'Connell talked today about the running game, and he talked a lot about efficiency, that we need to not be in second and eight, second and 10, second and 11. And they had a lot of those runs, especially when Dalvin Cook was on the field this year. Now, the tricky thing there is you could try to bring him back and restructure the deal. Um, will he want to do that? More specifically, perhaps, will his camp want to do that? It's going to be an interesting one to watch, I think, how that all goes, because I, I don't know that however that happens, I, I think the only way it's quiet is if he's back on his current deal. Short of that, I would expect there will be some uh, some things said, tweeted, etc., for those paying attention and got that joke, uh, I applaud you. Um, I, I do think that um, it was a good one. It was just very inside. Um, uh, I think it's it's been out there enough. You can we, we laid enough breadcrumbs. I, I do think uh, when it comes to Dalvin Cook, things that Kwesi Adolfo Mensa has said and done in terms of roster construction in just the one year, as much as he's been allowed to or done on his own, um, and what Kevin O'Connell has done running this offense, would probably lend you belief that Dalvin Cook is not you know, a priority or, or a high priced running back is not necessarily a priority. Um, Kevin O'Connell did mention that he would like to run the ball better next year. Um, but he also said that the main goal is really efficiency, not necessarily hitting a bunch of home runs and striking out as often as they did with their running game last year. They, they struggled up front. They struggled to move people. Uh, they weren't a power offensive line. They were very much a finesse offensive line. Uh, so the short yard situations sucked, but so did the first and 10 situations. Um, Kevin yeah. O'Connell said, I would love to be in second and five. Yeah, I basically said, if you could put me in second five all the time, then everything's wide open. I can do whatever I want. And yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of how the Eagles did it, where you know they ran the ball a lot, but they were really efficient at it, in part because you have Jalen Hurts, and it's hard to defend and know what you're going to get. When Jalen Hurts can basically say, okay, I'm going to take whatever matchup I want, and I'm going to have the better – of the matchup every single time. I mean, that does – and he talked about that too. O'Connell said that today of the RPO stuff, the running quarterbacks. The reason you're seeing so much efficiency in the way teams run the ball, at least in terms of yards per carry being at an all-time high, has to do with some of those things. So the Vikings don't have that with, with Kirk Cousins. That's just not going to be part of his game. But um, you know, he, I, think, I don't think he was hinting at, boy, we need to get a running quarterback with that. That's – how I think a lot of people are going to take that comment. I didn't take it that way. I think it was just a, well, you're seeing this stat. Here's a reason why. Um, Not everything has a second and third level meaning. Some things do. um, Some things don't. I didn't take that one as one that did. Maybe I'm wrong. But, um, yeah, I think that is part of the reason you're seeing more efficiency. However they get it, though, you have to have more of it than they did because it's just – Especially with that line, if you're in second, third, and long, when defenses can come after your quarterback, not a good way to live. Yeah, because currently Ezra Cleveland and Ingram are still your guards next yes. year. Yes. 
let's see what happens at center with Garrett Bradbury. He is a free agent, but he wasn't necessarily always the issue in the running game uh, as much as he was the passing game. With this offense and with Kirk Cousins, though, Kirk Cousins under contract through next year. Um, they could look to redo that deal. Uh, ben, you've reported that the two sides might not necessarily see eye to eye on what kind of length of a deal that they're both seeking. Yeah, I mean, it'll depend on what the Vikings want to do. I mean, Kwesi kind of said that yesterday that he said they want as much certainty as possible. We want flexibility. I, what I have heard this week at the Combine kind of tracks with that, that Kirk Cousins is not, at least at this point, looking for the short-term fix. He's at a point now where he's thirty-five. he'll be 35 in August, so he's looking for probably the last deal of his career, I would think. Um, it doesn't have to be, but – if you think he's not going to be Tom Brady, and I don't think he's going to be Tom Brady, I don't think he's going to try to play till he's forty-five. Yeah, he's never talked like that. He's always talked about wanting to kind of end it short of forty. Yeah, and I think some of it. He he had his son in a press conference last year, and he talked about you know kind of cherishing the idea that his kids will be old enough to remember him playing. So I think that's in his mind a little bit. But in the conversations that we've heard him talk publicly, and and just conversations I've had with him a little bit too, is. I don't get the sense that he wants to do this forever. I, you know, he's a dad of of two young boys, and um, I think he wants to have some time with them as well. And I I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you would say if he wants to be here for the rest of his career, you're gonna need seven years or something, or even five to do that. So, you know, if they sign up for another three, four, maybe that might get it done. Um, how does that deal look though? Because he has typically taking short-term deals in exchange for fully guaranteed or practically guaranteed contracts. Um, I don't think you're going to get that if you say, sign me until I'm until my age 40 season, whether we play that way or not. I don't think he's going to have fully guaranteed money all the way through there. So um, what the price point is for everybody is going to be the big question. I, I think they're going to have that conversation. I, I think Kevin O'Connell I said it again today. I was honest with you guys when I told you that I think Kirk is really good or that I, I like Kirk a lot. And Quasey talked this week about he, – he he said something about a, a sufficient condition to win. He said Kirk is good enough to win with. Um, you know, do you want to back away from that in hopes of finding a younger quarterback that's cheaper? Uh, he also said they don't want to start a guy in year one. So that's in a weird spot. Adolfo Mensa also said, right, that you know, maybe you want to look at a guy with a different skill set. He kind of said yeah, that yeah, kind of offhandedly. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And, yeah, he mentioned the threshold multiple times, the, yes. the threshold that Kirk meets. And he, and that was very different from what he said a year ago. Yes, when, it was. A year ago at the Combine, he was very much saying, or in, in multiple press availabilities, saying that um, Kirk was a guy that, you know, people don't appreciate what he does well. And, you know, that was kind of more of the rhetoric around him. And now it's, no, we believe we can win with him, which I thought was interesting. Um, but when you look at the the kind of um, the crux of it, you know, Kirk wants that financial security, as you're talking about, and the team wants, it would seem, to not necessarily tie itself to some mega deal when they're negotiating another one at some point in time with Justin Jefferson um, and they have to pay him while also looking around at a defense that just needs drastic repairs. Um, we have a lot of questions, too, on Twitter that we should get to. Um, all right, we got a question here from uh, – I got to wait for my phone to load because I have an Android, people. Uh, Kirk Cousins, official burner, wants to know, 
Kwesi likes trading in the division, so do we trade Kirk for Jordan Love? <laughs> not, not Aaron Rodgers. I Rogers. don't – like, if you're going to do that, you should send Russ Ball, the Packers cap guy, the biggest <laughs> bottle of Advil that you can find because I don't know how they could possibly make that work. No, they're not going to do that. Uh, unless Aaron Rodgers ret- – no, 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 it's not happening. I mean, I get you're joking. It's funny. We're laughing about it, but no. Uh, Thomas wants to put you on the spot. Gut feelings on whether Kirk, Kirk extension happens, and if so, what would the terms and years be? Uh, it's a little, putting me specifically or both of us. Well, he says, I want all the guys opinion. So all okay. of us on the spot. Okay. Uh, but as you as the more informed one, I feel like should give their opinion first. More informed is a nice way of saying cap nerd. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that too. Yeah, either way, either way works. <laughs> all of the above. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a well-informed cap nerd. Um, I, gosh, this is really interesting because typically I've thought, yeah, they're going to do it. Um, I think they're going to do it. I still think they're going to do it, but what does it look like? I mean, if if you said we're going to add, well, you turn the void year into actual money so that you can extend that, and maybe you add, maybe you sign them through like 25? So you basically say, okay, you got another three years, you're signed through 38, and... Two-year extension is what you Two-year extension, yes, that's what I'm saying. So you put a little bit of a signing bonus into that, you probably put enough of one to be worth his while so he gets some cash up front, but you can also lower his cap number this year. And I don't know that you'd guarantee the entire thing, or maybe you stick a void year on the back of that, knowing the cap's going to go up and we'll have a cheap quarterback at the end of it anyway. Because that's the thing, is if you think we're going to have a quarterback drafted at some point in the next Kirk Cousins contract that that guy's going to be ready to play, we can deal with the void money for a year or two or you know whatever dead money consequences there are knowing that our next guy will be developed ready to go and making like four million dollars or five or six million dollars a year whatever it happens to be so you can deal with that consequence I think and the fact that they said we don't want a guy to play in year one if you don't sign cousins it basically backs you into we have to take a quarterback and get him ready to play by 2024 because we know Cousins is not going to be here. Or we have to go back to the table with Cousins next March with the clock ticking down to zero before free agency. And you're paying Justin Jefferson like a uh, mid-tier quarterback. Um, I just, just pulling up the quarterback salaries, Kirk Cousins makes 35 average per year based on that last contract that he did a year ago. Eight quarterbacks make more than that per year. He is currently only ninth at that average Eight quarterbacks make at least forty million a year. That's the watermark. Is forty million? That's Dak Prescott. That's Matthew Stafford, and above that's Allen, Mahomes, Watson, Murray, Wilson, Rogers. So it could be seven if a darkness retreat guy decides to hang it up. That's true. That's true. We we were in a darkness retreat for about twenty minutes yeah. earlier <laughs> when the lights went out at the convention center. Was, yeah. No comment on. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going there. Eight quarterbacks. I've had enough trouble with podcasts this week already. High eight, collar. Eight quarterbacks make at least $40 million a year, which means Kirk Cousins starting that extension by saying, I'm getting at least that. I, I think that's probably right. I mean, because I, I, the trajectory has not been him taking less than market price. I can't. I would not. I don't care what the NFLPA says in a survey. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is not taking less. No, I agree. <laughs> and he never has. I mean, you know. 
color me surprised if he decides to do it this time, but he never has done it. I don't expect that he will do it this time. There are ways you could structure it so that it doesn't kill you this year, but you know, you're counting on that TV money hitting to the point where that deal is not a backbreaker down the road anyway. Um, yeah, that's, it's still going to be a tremendous amount of money. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I was shocked just to look it up because obviously we see these quarterback deals come down every year, but to see that eight of them are already at 40 million. Um, all right, well, let's see if we had any other questions. I think we had one more regarding, yeah, Nate wants to know, is there any type of trade market for some of the Vikings higher priced veterans? Oh yeah, this was a good question. Looking at, at cutting. So he's asking about Zedarius Smith, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. Um, the trade market stuff's interesting, but it's not like they have these guys that it, it's always the problem, right? You're trying to get up, give off assets that aren't the greatest value. Yeah. Um, and some of these contracts are not the greatest value. Here would be the guy that I would wonder about in a trade. Uh, and it's not a name we've brought up yet. Daniil Hunter. I think they want him. I think they feel like he would fit in this defense, but if you're looking at trade chips, He's probably the best one they have. I mean, it, you know, not counting Justin Jefferson because that's just not happening. Um, he's 28. He'll be 29 in October. Um, I think you would certainly have teams, like the Giants, for example. I don't know that they need another guy, but if they looked at, okay, if we want another end to add to this stable of pass rushers we have, given what we have to compete with, with everybody else in that division – they have good ones, but so do the Eagles, Commanders, Cowboys. Um, that could make sense, especially because Andre Patterson is there. Um, I I could see that because they were talking about it last year. They tried to trade him last year with the, the contract stuff becoming an issue. He is a free agent after this year because when they redid that deal, they they threw they cut off a couple of years in the contract, basically saying we will give you another chance to get to the market, even though we're not doing anything about your deal now. So. They could extend him too. I could see something like that. But if you were going to look at a trade and say, we have to clear some money, we maybe want to get something back as a means of doing that rather than just cutting a guy, that would be one I'd think about. I just I don't look at any of these other guys and think they're going to be great trade chips. They're either over 30, they've got a lot of mileage on them, or both. And Hunter's probably the one exception to that. I wonder, well, if you trade Hunter like and cut Sedaria Smith, what do you pass rush? What there, do you, that is the problem. What do you got? Um, I, I was wondering, is Sedaria Smith tradable? That's an interesting question. Um, I mean, he played through that knee injury a lot of this year. Obviously, it was affecting him. I mean, it, it was something that you heard about really since September, and it, it seemed like it was certainly affecting his productivity. The the fact that the Packers got rid of him, that the Ravens got rid of him before the Packers did, and then the the thing went weird with the Ravens before the Vikings signed him last year, I don't know. I mean, I, there might be somebody, but part of the reason he ended up here is that Mike Smith, his former position coach, the relationship was there. So do you have somebody else that he that could say, yeah, I, I've coached this guy. I want him in the building. Um, this is going to be a good fit for us. You, you'd probably need that. But given some of the injury stuff, I mean, remember he missed – all but one game of the Packers regular season in 2021 because of that back injury and the fact that he's 30, 31, give or take. You you maybe, maybe you could. Uh, I don't know that you're going to get a ton back for that. 
just given everything I mentioned. I hadn't thought about that. The, it's a good point about his free agent market. Like he's already out there once uh, last year, and it, it didn't necessarily wasn't booming for him like it was for these other pass rushers that really got paid last year from Hassan Reddick to Chandler Jones. Um, so Darius Smith was very much like that second tier of free agent. And so how much would the Vikings be willing to move him for, or how much are they just going to cut him or want to cut him and move on? Um, before we go here, uh, we should note that among the most revealing things in the NFLPA survey of 1,300 players, or about 1,300 players league-wide about working conditions, was that the Jacksonville Jaguars had a rat problem in the locker room. I need to go through that thing in a lot of detail. <laughs> That's a legit thing. So they're moving in the ESPN story that I – because I didn't go through each one. I, I read through some highlighted uh, stories about it. Really and, quickly, we should pour one out for some of the poor beat writers that did not get – I mean, with us, it's just like, hey, you're ranked number one. Talk yeah, about right. how much people love you. <laughs> right. uh, people like – and the, I know, I'll know i just mention the guys at ESPN because I know them from having worked with them. Michael Duraco, um that covers the Jaguars. John Conn that covers the Commanders. Uh, sorry, guys. It's probably not the most fun reporting day you've ever had in your lives. We feel for you. Yeah, I think the bottom three teams were the Chargers, Cardinals, and Commanders. The Jaguars with a rap problem didn't even get them to the bottom, <laughs> uh, which is incredible. <laughs> a couple people asked me on Twitter, because I, I posted that the Vikings were number one. Somebody asked who's 32nd. I just want to be like, guys, come on. You know. <laughs> you absolutely follow the news cycle this week at all. You know who's number 32. Uh, the Cardinals, uh, the NFLPA says the Cardinals were apparently the only team charging their players for weekly night dinners. Dinners. Charging them for food at the facility just on a given Wednesday when they're working there. I, I don't think this was the point of this thing, but, man, they created a heck of a content machine by releasing all this in as much detail as they did. Yeah, I encourage... So thank you for that. I encourage people to... It's just it's insightful. And, you know, it, this isn't something that we're talking about just because the Vikings ranked number one. We haven't really even talked about that. We've just talked about this list. It's insightful to see that players put this together. And J.C. Treader wrote on the PA site that we've talked every year about trying to put together a free agency guide for players on how to pick destinations outside of just money. Right. Um, obviously, money is going to be the biggest driver for 90% of guys or 99% of deals. Uh, so sorry, Vikings fans. I don't think your number one ranking is really going to do a whole lot. As, no. As optimistic as people want to be. They also didn't rank weather. Um, yeah, yeah, weather. They didn't. It was eight categories. None of them were weather. Um, that has been an issue. None of them were salary At least in cap one space. case with an offensive lineman that we know of about five years ago. Yeah, that yeah. was certainly an issue. It is. Yeah, somebody commented on Twitter on, uh, on our post saying, I, I want to know how many players, uh, significant others, are saying don't go there because of the weather. And We as, know for a fact it happened at least once. When they were searching for a certain player in 2017, that absolutely happened. <laughs> when they were looking for a left tackle? <laughs> yeah. Um, it did. <laughs> where they, they just didn't get a deal done because, hey, Minnesota is cold. We've given you enough breadcrumbs. You can figure out who it is. We're not um, going to say, but you can figure it out. But it's interesting because, yeah, they, they wanted to put together a, um, a report card for every team so players can help choose. And the, the categories were like training staff, weight yep. room facilities. The Vikings rank so high, obviously, because they have this college campus that they <laughs> yes. live at. It is massive. It's like a Google complex. Yeah, stadium, I think, was in there, too. Again, yep. brand new, state-of-the-art. 
Yeah. So um, locker room, I think, was also a category. And then when you read the details how in the they locker treat room. families, I think, was one of them, like how players' families feel like they're treated. Yeah. Yeah. There were some teams, like 11 teams, just um, didn't do anything for families, I guess, or whatever. So it's just, it's interesting. It's, it's insight that you don't get from players when they're standing interviewed inside their facility yeah. in front of a camera, worried that everything's going to go on the channel five news. This is a hundred percent anonymous, um, a hundred percent anonymous. And so that, I think that helps bring that out, uh, in something that, that is revealing. And it shows that the Vikings have made some strides because I don't think they would have been number one last year. No, it, a couple of things were really interesting here, just on a global level first, the fact that they made this public, you would not have had to do that. Uh, you could have done this for players, said, hey, here's a resource that you distribute through their channels or through agents or whatever. The fact that they made it public, I think in part, was to put some pressure on the teams that aren't doing a good job because they know that fans will see it and say, why the heck are we so low on this stuff? It just It's a tacky look. And they know that reporters will see it and then ask those teams, why is it that you're not doing better in these areas and in the case of people like Kevin O'Connell and teams like the Vikings it's an opportunity for them to talk about hey here are all the things that we're doing well and we can kind of sell ourselves as a resource for players that may want to come here in free agency it was also interesting on this on the Vikings specifically they had a summary on the here talking about how players mentioned the shift from Mike Zimmer to Kevin O'Connell was a positive one in this regard. They said O'Connell ranked as one of the more player-friendly coaches in the league. Not a huge surprise, but they also talked about the shift from the former athletic training staff to the current group. They ranked very high in athletic training. That would not have happened last year. Full stop. Would not have happened. They would have, I think, been – we would have been writing about this because they would have been – pretty low on that list you saw the Chiefs get strafed for that today their head athletic trainer uh Rick Burkholder I believe is his name has been with Andy Reid for an awfully long time uh he had been with Eric Sugarman in Philadelphia for a long time as well so some of the things that you saw come out there are some of the complaints and some of the same themes you would hear from players in Minnesota during the previous regime for a long time as well. And we've we've written some of this. We've known about it for a long time. Um, some of that, I think the themes that you saw in Kansas City would have been ones you would have seen here had that switch not happened. And the fact that it did, and the fact that, that Tyler Williams and Uriah Myrie took their approach that they did, players liked it a lot. And I think that mattered a lot in these rankings. Yeah, just treating other people like human beings and not commodities or, you know, um, just, I guess, the, the the relationship has changed quite a bit. When Eric Kendricks <laughs> talked about a fear-based organization, that was not, I mean, everybody took that as Mike Zimmer. Uh, that was not specifically aimed at Mike Zimmer. Um, you know, it, it's all it's all kind of part of a thing, I guess, but that he was not <laughs> referring to just uh, Mike Zimmer. Just Mike Zimmer. Uh, there's 100% that that had to do with some of the, the athletic training stuff that we're talking about. I've have said that. I've heard it from enough people. Fairly confident that that was a, what he was getting at there. We didn't even talk about the best part of the NFLPA survey and that uh, some of these teams got F minuses. Yeah. That's a grade. Yeah, the uh, the commies, I think, were an F minus. F mi- I didn't even know that was a grade. I don't know that it is. It, wh- <laughs> and you pointed this out. You, it makes you wonder how many 
how many players, if handed hey A to F or A plus to F, maybe? Because um, you know the PA did not put on their survey, hey, rank these guys A plus to F minus. No, they couldn't have. Yeah, right? I don't think have. so. But what and you pointed this out today that what might have happened is that enough players said they're so bad, I'm going to put a minus on this thing, um, and. Maybe not because they probably did it digitally, which means it's radio buttons, I suppose, and you're not writing it in. Maybe, but yeah. I don't know how the inventors did it. But it makes you think that it's like, well, we got to rank them enough minus because there are so many players that rated them there that we got to be honest about it. Or they've all talked internally for some time about how awful some teams are, and they said, you know what? When we put this survey together, we got to include the F minus because we just yeah. know, yeah, we know some of these teams. Um, I just like the idea of players writing in so many F minuses that the PA's like, guys. We got to put it down. We got to we got to get our coders to <laughs> our our web developers. We got to make a couple changes here. We we need a minus on the F. Yeah, I know it's not a real grade, but we heard it so much. <laughs> just I know, I understand. Troy Vincent's just put like, it in. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that'll be it from this episode of the Access Vikings podcast. Uh, why don't you go ahead and grade us if you want? You can go ahead and give us an F minus A plus on your iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, and please check out all of our work at startribune.com.